Well, my name is Ben Cranford. We uh, are finishing up our series in 1 Corinthians. And so if you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians 16. And if you need a Bible, slip up your hand. We'd love to get a Bible in your hand. I constantly forget my Bible, so it's okay if you forgot yours this morning. Uh, they would love to get you a Bible and turn to 1 Corinthians 16. We are ending our series on Palm Sunday. It is Palm Sunday, as Ian talked about, and I will get to Palm Sunday in a little bit. But we are ending our series in 1 Corinthians 16. And we have looked at a lot of things up to this point. Through 1 Corinthians 1, all the way to 1 Corinthians 15, we have seen a lot of things. There have been a lot of hot-button topics, if you will. And Paul is not afraid to go there. Our pastor John has not been afraid to go there. Um, and we're so thankful for his leadership. And he's covered some of these things. Maybe Kyle Harrison also uh, shares some of these things. But if you look at the topics that we've covered, I mean, we've covered a lot. And if you've missed something, please check out our podcast. You can also go to our website, graceathens.org forward slash resources. And you can hear the podcast as well as the sermon notes. You can go through those sermon notes to see these variety of topics. And you're like, oh man, I missed that one. I wanted to hear about that. You can go back uh, to our website and check that out. We've covered a ton of stuff uh, over this, uh, this series. And now we get this kind of final goodbye from Paul. This is the kind of goodbye from Paul in 1 Corinthians. And we see that it is a goodbye, potentially. As we know in history, he writes another letter to the Corinthians and has a lot more interaction with them. But he doesn't know. He says in verse 7, if you just go ahead and look at your Bible in 1 Corinthians 16, uh, it won't be up on the screen, but you can just briefly look at it. It says that if the Lord permits, I will see you again. If the Lord permits, I will see you again. And so we have this idea that he is writing a final goodbye. He's like, if I don't see you, here's my goodbye. Some of the most powerful moments in a person's life are the greetings and the goodbyes. You know, you think about it with the greetings. You think about, oh, I remember the first time I met her or the first time he saw me. We went on a double date with a new family, Meg and I, uh, who just came to uh, Athens. And they asked the question. Do you guys know the question is? How did you two meet? How did you two meet? 2010, Grace Midtown, she was volunteering. I saw her from across the room. No, there's nothing really like that at all. Uh, it was at Grace Midtown. We were, we, she was greeting. And it was actually a terrible greeting, but we still remember it. I was a terrible person. I'm still working on it. And she was there. And my friend said, hey, this woman is rooting. I don't know if it's called a woman. Girl, lady, friend. Is rooting for Brazil at the World Cup in 2010. And I said, oh, you must be from Brazil. And she goes, no, I'm from the United States. And our team was actually, they made the World Cup. They were really good that year. And so I looked at her and I said, how unpatriotic is that? <laughs> and I took the hand out and I walked inside. And I, I don't know what I was thinking. It was the dumbest thing I think I could have said in that moment. 
Uh, so we didn't hit it off, but I remember the greeting. And then after that, we ended up meeting and getting connected with some other friends down the road, and it worked out. I also have had some amazing greetings with friends, family, even the first, I remember the first time I was in a discipling relationship. And some of y'all, you know, if you know our goal in 2022 is we're saying, hey, we want 120 people starting the process of discipling two to three people by the end of the year. That's kind of our big goal. And I remember the first time I was discipled, and maybe that's been your experience this year. I remember the first time I was in a discipling relationship. Actually, I have two. I want to share about John. So first, there was one I had with John uh, when I was in college. And he said, hey, I want you to be a part of a D group. I said, I don't understand what the D means in D group. What are you talking about? He said, oh, discipleship group. I'm like, you mean small group? That's where I came from in church world. I was like, I don't know what disciple means, but sure, I'll be in the small group. I go and I walk up these steps and he said, man, something, you, you're going through something and I want to pray with you. It wasn't like, hey, welcome to D group. It was like, hey, you need prayer. And I was like, what, what am I wearing that needs prayer right now? How did you figure that out that I actually needed prayer? And so he prayed for me, amazing experience. That's how I met John Raymond. I also had this relationship with a guy named Jim Brown. It was right when I got married. Uh, and I remember the specific moments. We met at Starbucks on 124 in Gwinnett. And I remember where we sat. I remember that he had this piercing gaze. It was like there was so much stuff. If you've ever been to those Starbucks, they're crazy busy on 124. And it was like no one else was there but me. And he was focused in on everything I had to say. And I remember that greeting. Speaking of discipling relationships, we would love to celebrate some of the discipling relationships that have happened here at Grace. And so if you've got one of those stories, maybe you are discipling somebody or maybe someone is discipling you. I would love to hear those stories. And so what we'd love for you to do, just a side note, is we'd love for you to get a, a video and kind of celebrate what God has been doing in your discipling relationships. It's about 60, you can do a 60 second, you know, 90 second video and say, hey, I have this discipling relationship where someone's discipling me and this is what God is doing. Or I'm discipling somebody for the first time and this is how God is speaking through me. If you've got those stories, we'd love to capture those stories and celebrate them with you. Not only are there greetings that we've got, but there are goodbyes. Uh, this past week, Megan, my wife, Megan uh, lost her grandfather and we had a conversation with her dad. And at this goodbye that the, uh, her dad had with her grandfather, he gave us every specific moment that was happening at the last goodbye with his dad. He remembered what the room looked like. He, he was telling us this very vivid story about what the nurse was doing and the, the sounds that were going off and when he was holding his hand and when his sister came in and when his brother was around and there was this vivid moment of this goodbye that was so powerful to him that basically transformed his life and his way of thinking and he shared that in vivid detail and I don't know if you have lost someone here uh, in your life and you're feeling that maybe this morning or maybe you lost someone years ago, but you can actually go back to those moments and you can say, I remember 
what it was like when I said goodbye to that person. I remember the struggle. I remember the tears. I remember the questions. I remember their last famous words they gave me. You remember those goodbyes that we have. I am not very good at goodbyes. I wish I was better at it. And sometimes I even forget to say goodbye. I don't know if that is you. Sometimes I'm just having a conversation. Uh, one of me and my friend Dave, we do the same thing. It's a very weird thing. We've got to get out of our heads sometimes. We're having conversations with people. They ask us a question. We're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like we didn't even answer the question. We just left. Didn't even say goodbye because we were thinking about something else. I'm not very good at goodbyes. Megan uh, texted me one time as I ran out for work. And she said, you didn't even say goodbye. She said, what if something happens and you didn't get to say goodbye to me? She texted me this. She's like, you know, we didn't even say goodbye or I love you. Like, what if something happens and you don't get to say goodbye? And I texted her back and I was like, morbid. Wow, really, you know, killing the vibe here. I'm just going to work. Jeez, I'll be coming back. But she's right. In the moment, I was wrong, and she was right. It would feel so weird, and you have those experiences too. When you lose somebody, and you're like, man, I wish I had one more thing to say to them before they go. And she's right. We see here in 1 Corinthians 16 that there's this moment that he's like, I don't know if I'll see you again. i got to say these things. I have to say goodbye, because I don't know if I'll see you again. Instead of just running out and doing the next missional thing that Paul has or going after the next city, he stops and he says, here's my final words. And so we get to 1 Corinthians 16 and we get to these final words and it is the strangest on the surface. It is the strangest goodbye that he could probably give. This is what it says in verse one, starting at 16. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, you are also to do the same. On the very first week, each of you put something aside, like the tithe, and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be uh, no collecting when I come. You're like, okay, you got one goodbye, Paul, and you're starting with the collection. <laughs> you like got one thing to say, and he's like, hey, now concerning the collection, even think about it with 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, he's like, Jesus resurrects from the dead. And guess what? You resurrect too if you have faith in him. Oh, death, where is your sting? Christ has been crucified so that you have been risen. And then it's like over here, 1 Corinthians 16. Now, uh, concerning the collection of the saints, I would uh, like for you to give before I get there. It's like, what in the world? It's like this huge, monumental, life-shaping thing. And it's like, hey, let's talk about your money for a second. On the surface, it seems like such a strange transition and such a strange goodbye. But as we continue to read and if we looked back at who the Corinthians were, we begin to see that this is not so strange after all. What he is doing here, if you're taking notes or you're writing points down, point number one is this. He's saying this is what the Christian life begins to look like. If you're looking at this idea of Jesus resurrecting and guess what? You got a resurrected body. Before I go, if I never see you again, I want to tell you what you can do with the resurrected life of Jesus. That's what he's getting at. 
If I don't see you again, I want you to know what you can do right now. This is what the Christian life looks like right now. And I've, you've heard me say this time and time again, but I did grow up in a church where it's like, hey, guess what? You resurrected with Jesus and you have faith in him and you'll live for eternity. And we're like, yes, amen, said the prayer, all that good stuff, got baptized. But then it felt like it was the end. But yet I'm still living for years. And I'm like, wait a minute, do I just wait for heaven when I die and then I start living? Is that where living starts? And what I begin to see here in 1 Corinthians is he's saying, no, 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 no. Now that you have faith in Jesus, this is what it looks like to be a Christian. This is what it looks like to live in freedom. This is what it looks like to have a resurrected life. This is what the Christian life looks like. And so he begins going down here in 1 Corinthians 16. And as he goes down in 1 Corinthians 16, I'm going to go through these points really quickly just to kind of get to the meat and potatoes, if you will, of the passage. Before we keep reading, looking back, he's saying this is what the Christian life looks like. And some big key factors, point number two is this, is that the Christian life shapes the culture, not shaped by the culture. It's kind of like the Christian life is like a rock in a river. A steady rock in the river. And you've got the current of the culture coming towards you. And it's not swimming up against the stream. It's also not this little pebble that gets tossed down the current of the culture. But it is shaping. It is changing its direction. And so he's saying, hey, in the Christian life, just like Jesus said, Oh, Lord, would heaven come and meet heaven come and meet earth? Would your kingdom come? Would your will be done? On earth as it is in heaven. What he's saying is when you've got this resurrected life, you don't go against culture. You don't just flow with the current of the culture. No, you shape it. You say, oh, I can actually ask of the things of heaven to be pulled down into earth right now in this current Christian life. And I can begin to transform by his spirit, transform the culture that I am in. He even says this in 1 Corinthians uh, in the very beginning, this is his greeting. His greeting, he makes this distinction. And Paul does this all the time. If you look at all the letters, all of his greetings are different. And they're different for a reason. And his greeting to the Corinthians is he is saying, Hey, you are people in Christ. And you live in Corinth. Not, you are the people in Corinth. And you know something about Christ. He says, no, no, no. You are in Christ. And because you're in Christ, you live in Corinth. Shake Corinth to look different because what's happened so far in this passage is they have looked like Corinth. They have blended in with Corinth. They have been shaped by Corinth. And he's saying, no, 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 you now have the power to shape it. You have been given authority to shape it. Oh, death, where is your sting? That sting is now gone. And then he talks about laboring. Do not labor in vain. Do not waste the resurrected life that you've been given. That's in 15. Another point he makes, John talked about this, is this element of freedom or actually not living under the curse of death. And he's saying, hey, 1 Corinthians 15, you are free in Christ. 1 Corinthians 16, here's the things that you can do to continue in your freedom 
in God's spirit. This is the fruit from the freedom that you have. And so he's saying, hey, you've been given freedom and to continue in your freedom, do these things in Christ. And it's not what we often think is a very legalistic thing is, hey, do these things and then you will be free in Christ. Get your act together, give your tithe, do these things that I'm asking you to do, and then you'll have resurrection life. He's saying, no, 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 verse Corinthians 15, you got resurrection life, you're free, and to continue in your freedom, do these things. Giving is actually a freeing thing. And if you've ever dealt with money before for a while, you know how crippling it can be when you are enslaved to your money. Trying to figure it out on your own strength or trying to manage it in a certain way. It can be belaboring at times. But he's actually saying, no, no, no. Your generosity can actually be a freeing thing. But we can tend to read it as not that way. It's the same with Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments. Uh, we can, you know, spout off maybe the Ten Commandments like thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. But the very first verse says, I have freed you from Egypt and continuing in your freedom, don't do these things because you'll become enslaved to these things. He's doing the same thing with 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Corinthians 16. He says, I've got to tell you all of this if I don't see you again. This is what the Christian life looks like. The Christian life is shaping the culture, not shaped by it. The Christian life is meant to keep you free. And if I don't see you again, I want you to know these things. Does anybody have that mom or dad, talking to college students, does anybody have that mom or dad who wants to give you a quick lesson, like 101, like on the spot, you're like, where is this coming from? Anyone got you know, a teacher for a dad or a mom that's just like, hey, I've got to give you these things. When I got dropped off at college, it was like I was 18, and my dad just had this like big epiphany. He was like, wait a minute, I forgot to tell Benton how to do these things for the first 18 years of his life. Hey, I'm dropping you off at school. Um, let's go talk about changing a tire. It's like, wait a minute, dad, like, well, why haven't we talked about this earlier? You know, I'm, I'm unloading, you know, trying to figure, wait, is there anything else you need to know? You know, like, you need roadside assistance. You need this, and you need to figure out how to, you know, go get groceries or whatever it might be for you. Maybe you've felt some of that. It's like, before I send my kid off to college, I've got to tell him these things. It's the same thing with Paul here. It's like his spiritual children. Before I go, if I don't see you again, I've got to tell you how to do these things. There's an amazing podcast, Instagram, TikTok, I don't know all the things that it's connected to, but it's, it's a thing called Dad, How Do I? Has anyone heard of Dad, How Do I? Yeah, a couple of you. Check it out, it's amazing. It's this guy whose dad left him when he was 14. And there were so many key things that he wasn't able to learn, like how to manage his budget, how to change his oil, how to tie a tie. And what he did was he said, I'm going to redeem this situation in my life. And I'm going to show other people who don't have dads how to tie a tie, how to change the oil, how to talk about football, how to manage the budget. All of these things that 
dads do as you grow up that they teach you along the way. He was like, I didn't get that experience, and I know that there's other people who don't have that experience as well, so I'm going to create this podcast. It's amazing. Check it out. It's super fun, and it's a redemptive story about how this guy does that. But Paul is doing the same thing. He is saying, okay, if I don't see you again, I got to tell you how to change the oil. I got to tell you how to manage the budget. I got to tell you all of these things. I got to tell you how to tie a tie if I don't see you again. And so now we have this list of stuff that he gets to. And you've got it on your handout. All right. So everyone turn to your handout now. It's a little activity that we're going to do right here in the middle of the sermon. If you look at the back of your handout, you have 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 20. And again, Sam, thank you so much for doing this. This is amazing. And you get to see this list that he creates to say, hey, I got to give you these things if I don't see you again. And you see on the left side, the main point, the gist of the verses. He is going down this list of things that he's calling them to go through because previously addressed in 1 Corinthians are all of these sin issues that they need to repent from. And so I'll just go through these quickly and then I want us to engage with these things as well because I think they're very helpful. One through four, he talks about giving to the church. He talks about tithing, giving at least that 10% because it furthers the gospel. And he wants them to practice it even when he's not there. Then it's gathering with believers. Then you've got, let the Lord do what he permits in our plan. So he says, I've got a plan. And if the Lord permits, he'll see the plan through. So he's saying, hey, let the Lord in on your plans. Be a realist. He says, there are open doors in front of me to engage and further the gospel. But there's going to also be a lot of opposition. He's got a real perspective about where he's at. Do not turn away the weaker brother. Timothy is struggling. He says, don't turn away. Collaborate with others. you got other people coming in that are helping do ministry there in Corinth. He says, welcome them and then listen to them. And then you've got these B's. If you are going to raise a middle school student or a high school student before they go off into college, these B's are amazing. Be firm. Be alert. Be firm in the faith. Be mature. Be strong. And then 14, be loved. So you have all these B's of what he's telling them to identify with. And then 15 and 16, devote yourselves to serve the saints. Evangelize, serve, submit to one another. 17 and 19, when you're hanging out with people, refresh others. Don't take from others. Don't dry people up. Don't burn them out. And then verse 20, greet in holiness and care. Treat others as they are important when you greet them. Don't just treat them as another person and get past them and see that they're unimportant. And then you see on the next section, you see the sin issues, the stinginess, the isolation. You see the controllingness, pessimistic, optimistic, shaming, belittling, neglecting, unhealthy competition, dependent on your own will, not Christ's will for your life. Being passive, lustful, taking from others for your own gratification, separating life from from service and ministry, saying, oh, I just serve on Sundays, but I don't think about serving the rest of my days. Burning people out that you're around, frustrating them and not worrying if you're burning them out or frustrating them. And then, like I said, treating others is unimportant. So here's what I want to do. If you got a pen, I want you to do this. If you don't take a picture of this with your phone and take a note on this now, we're going to take just a minute. And I would love for you to rate yourselves on one to five. There are no threes. So it's one, two, 
four and five. Okay, I don't want you to just put three down the list. And I want us to be realistic about this, just as it is calling us to be realistic. I want us to say, okay, I actually have seen some fruit in the freedom in Christ that I have, where I actually have done pretty well at this. So it would be a four or a five. And then there might be some areas in your life that you're like, man, when I saw that word, that word stuck out to me, and I haven't done that in a long time. And you can look at maybe the things that he's calling us into or he's calling us away from. And you look at those things, you're saying, wait a minute, I haven't done that in a while. Or yeah, some people say that I do burn them out. Or I do like to be kind of independent and figured out on my own free will. Or I am passive. It's hard for me to make those decisions. And I kind of hope someone else makes those decisions instead of me. Whatever it is for you, I'd love for you to go ahead and ring yourself right now. And we're going to do that for a minute. So take your time. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Think through your life and say, okay, wait a minute, I could grow in one of these two areas because it's going to help with where we close our service out. So go ahead and write those down. Just number them and take this with you right now. All right. You can take some more time to do that if you want. Now we're going to have all of you line up and get on the microphone and tell us where you're terrible. I'm just kidding. Uh, we're not going to do that. Uh, but I would say it might be good for you to share this with somebody because I, I've done something like this before uh, with a few friends and family. And I've, I've said, hey, I want to grow in this. And then they actually encouraged me. They're like, wait a minute, you've done this here, 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 and here. And then I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe I, I, don't, I don't need to uh, continue to grow in that. Or maybe I'm not off there. Um, but maybe there is another place that I'm off. And so it might be good for you to share with someone you trust, someone that does follow the Lord, that might be helpful. If you are in a discipling relationship, this would be a great thing to talk about in those conversations. And we look here uh, at the end and we see with these notes and you see there's this need for repentance and then there's the replacement saying, hey, I'm going my own way. I'm doing my own thing without trusting uh, in Jesus in this part of my life. So we repent and we say, oh, let's turn and go after these things that Christ is showing us through Paul. You see that in 1 Corinthians 16. And so the Christian life, point number, I don't know, four maybe. The Christian life is a repentant life. It is this life where we're not over here chastising ourselves or beating ourselves up. But we're saying, wait a minute, I am sharpening myself in the faith. It is a sharpening. It is not like a belittling, a shaming. Even says don't do that for other people. Don't also do that for yourself. What it is, is it's saying sharpen. Be, be sharp towards these things. And maybe you need to grow in your maturity in these things. So he says the Christian life is repentant life. After these practical points, he moves into this Big change in the potential goodbye. Look at your Bibles. This is where we're going to close. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 21. It says this. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. So to this point, a lot of scholars say there's been a scribe that has been writing because he has bad eyesight at this part of his life. Paul might have... <laughs> been blinded by the light. If you know his story, maybe he's got some bad eyesight that he's needing a full recovery from. And so he has a scribe writing at this point. But then Paul just bursts onto the page and he says, I'm writing here. This is now me, Paul. 
I call this peekaboo Paul. This is like, hey, here I am. I, if you want to know, this is me or not. It's me. And so it is this uh, moment where Paul is breaking through on the page. And the reason that is important is this. If you're reading letters in the Bible, if you're reading narratives in the Bible, direct quotes or direct statements like this are the ones you pay attention to. If you read the book of Mark, read the gospel of Mark, he goes, and immediately this, and immediately this, and immediately this. And then there's a direct quote in there. And Mark, to his audience, is saying, hey, I'm trying to speed this process up. I'm trying to, yes, let you know the story. This is very valuable for you to know. But here's one major thing you got to know. And like one of the first quotes, if you know it, is Jesus comes on the scene and he says, hey, the kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe in the good news. There's a direct quote right out of the gate from Mark. He's like, audience, pay attention. It's like this flashing red light. And so for Paul, he's like, pay attention. This is me. I've had a scribe writing to this point, but I got to say something personally to you. And this is what he says. Verse 22. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. O Lord, come. Verse 22 lays out the gospel story in an amazing way. If you're going to maybe tell the gospel story, this would actually be a good place to start. Uh, and you wouldn't think that it would be at this closing of a letter, but this is pretty powerful. Now, he says two things here. I think it's going to come up on the screen. One is in Greek, and it is anathema. Just say anathema with me. All right, say it like you mean it. Anathema. Anathema means curse, and that's in the Greek. And then there's another Aramaic word, and it says maranatha. Say maranatha. Maranatha. Yes, anathema, curse, Maranatha, Lord, come. Two words right there for Paul. That is a beautiful display of the gospel. Let me tell you what I mean by that. We have this first one where he talks about being cursed, anathema. Paul uses it two other times. And he says, the ones who are cursed actually lead down this road of destruction. Meaning, it's not only destroying themselves, but if they are cursing other people, they are being destroyed. And they're destroying the ones around them. Anathema. John Corson says this. I think we got the quote on the screen when it comes to this idea. He says, if you don't love the one, this is his commentary on it. If you don't love the one who is altogether lovely, the one who died for you, the one who cares about you, the one who is all wise and all knowing, yet all loving and all forgiving, then you're only hurting and cursing yourself. The beginning of verse 22, he says, if you don't love him, Jesus, you're actually hurting or cursing yourself. If you don't trust in him, there is a curse. And we know this from Genesis 3, that there's been a curse from early, early on in history. That there is this curse that comes in called sin. And then it says that we are now under the curse. And then it talks about how Jesus comes and releases us from the curse. It says, anathema, there's a curse. And in the life we see that there's curse, there's this curse, there's destruction. And even if you look at some of these sin issues on the handout, on that right side, you're, you know how these things can curse yourself and hurt other people as well. Us 
Not being flexible can be frustrating for us, but also frustrating for the ones we interact with. And you could go on so far, so uh, on and on and on uh, through this uh, handout right here. But there's another word that we hear, and it is Maranatha, our Lord come. Anathema, there is curse, there's cursing happening in the world. There's things that are under a curse. And so we cry, Lord come, Maranatha, oh Lord, would you come? And we call on the Lord and we say, this is what you should do. If you look at this handout right here and you're like, I'm a one or a two in this area. Well, we want to cry out and look at these things and saying, I'm stingy. Oh, Lord, come. Lord, I'm in isolation. I can't do this on my own. I'm so tired of trying to rely on my own strength and will. Oh, Lord, come. I'm hurting my friends and my family by the way that I'm living. Oh, Lord, come. Or you can also say that there are people around you who are living this way that you are adopting and they're actually hurting you. And you're like, oh, Lord, come. Come into this relationship right now because there is cursing that's happening. We are giving in to a curse. Oh, Lord, come. It is this cry for help. Anathema, Maranatha. Anathema, Maranatha, I'm struggling with this thing. Oh, Lord, come. And in Galatians 3, 13, we get to see what happens when the Lord does come. Then we got it on the screen right here. Christ comes and he redeems us from the curse. The anathema, Maranatha. And then he frees us from the anathema, curse of the law, by becoming a curse for us. Word is written, here comes Good Friday, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So we cry, we are under a curse, we are feeling this weight that we are giving into. Yes, we are free and we have new life in Christ, but we still do sin. And in that, we cry, oh Lord, would you come in your grace and in your mercy. And what we recognize is that when Jesus comes, dies for past, present, future curses that we might fall prey to because he became a curse by hanging on a tree. He took on the weight of that sin so that we might become free. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become righteous, as our word says. So we see that it's anathema, maranatha, our Lord come. But here's what's amazing about Maranatha. And I'll close with this. Band, come on up. The amazing thing about Maranatha, and we saw it in Galatians 3.13, is that it's not like just a cry for help, like, oh, Lord, you're so far away. We need you to come. That's one way to say Maranatha. There's actually probably three ways to say Maranatha. There is, oh, Lord, come into this area of what feels like it's a curse. Lord, we need you. We are repenting. We're asking for you to come so that we can live out the things that Paul is calling us to do. We need your grace. We need your mercy again. Maranatha. But also, it is like, there's three ways. Also, it's like the Lord is at the door. And if you know Revelation, for example, you know that he's 
all at the door knocking. It's almost like he's at the door and he's like, oh Lord, come. Like, you're, you're right here. I wasn't expecting you. Please come. And even the third thing is not only a cry for help, it is a call to hope. Meaning, and this is what the early church would do. They would walk around because they didn't want to get uh, persecuted and end up in uh, death or uh, end up in jail. He would go around to the other believers who were sad and downtrodden and struggling with some of the curses that they were feeling or experiencing from themselves or from other people. And they would go around and they would look at the other person and they would say, Maranatha, which means the Lord is coming. You're dealing with something right now. You're struggling and you can't find a way out. Maranatha, the Lord is coming. You've got this curse that you might be feeling, this thing you might be going through, this anathema. We look at each other as a church and we say, Maranatha, the Lord is coming to that area that you're dealing with. The struggle, the fight, Whatever the pressure you might be feeling, the Lord is coming. It's not like the Lord might come. The Lord is coming. The Jesus movement, way further on in history, they would do the same thing. They'd look around and they'd say, Maranatha, 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 the Lord is coming. And not only is this a, a response to the gospel that there is a curse and that the Lord is coming to be a curse for us. But it is Holy Week. And in Holy Week, there were only two responses to Jesus. There was anathema, curse you, Jesus. And there was maranatha, Lord, come. We see it with the crowd on Palm Sunday as we celebrate the beginning of Holy Week. They were like, maranatha, the Lord is coming, Hosanna in the highest Son of David, he is here to claim victory for us. The Lord has come. And then five days later, we don't know if it's the same crowd or not. But on Good Friday, we have another crowd. And they're saying, anathema, crucify him. Crucify him. We don't, we don't, we won't, we don't care like free Barabbas. We want this one dead. So we have a response of anathema and maranatha. You look at the criminals hanging on the tree and you've got two responses. You've got anathema. Hey, if you're Jesus, why don't you just fix this thing out of frustration and anger? He's like, just get us off of you. And then you've got another response. The criminal is looking to Jesus and he says, Lord, come, remember me, remember me. And he talks about how that criminal who proclaims Maranatha, if you will, that he will be with him in paradise. And so for us, as we look at these really practical points, as we live our Christian life, how will we respond to Jesus this Holy Week? How will we respond to Jesus post this Holy Week? How will we respond to Jesus today? Do we believe that if we call upon his name that he will come? Do we actually believe that he can free us from whatever curse we might be feeling? Do we actually hold on to it? Do we actually cry out to him or do we cry out to somebody else? Do we cry out, Maranatha, Lord, come. 
Do we cry out Maranatha to each other who feel like they are just burdened? Do we look at them in the eyes with a greeting or a goodbye and we say, Maranatha, the Lord is coming. Lift up your head. You can get through this because the Lord is coming. And guess what? By his spirit, the Lord is here. He's with us. He's with us. The Lord has come. And one day we get to see Jesus come again. Maranatha, have hope. The Lord is coming. So as we celebrate Holy Week, one little challenge I'd love to give just here in this room. Just practice it. It might be silly, but it actually might be empowering. Is that we see one another, would we just look at each other and say, Maranatha? Would we just say, hey, the Lord is coming? Or, or, oh Lord, would you come again? Maranatha. So Grace Athens, welcome to Holy Week, Palm Sunday. My heart for us is that we would say Maranatha, even when the times get hard, even when it looks like our Jesus, our King is up on a cross. He's actually maybe not going to deliver this time for us. Would we continue to shout Maranatha? Lord is coming. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for you coming to be a curse and to hang on that tree so that we might live in the freedom that you have for us, that we might have the authority to shape the culture around us, that we can actually see what the Christian life really looks like right now because you have come. You were the lamb that was slain. And now we also say, Maranatha, we know that you are coming again. That you are coming another time. That we're not left to our own devices, but that you are coming. And because of who you are, we get to experience no longer curses we get to experience the blessing of being in your family. So Lord, we thank you for who you are. We worship you now. We cry, Maranatha, and we look to each other and we say, Maranatha, we move each other to hope when we feel hopeless. We look at these things on this list, on this handout, and we ask for you to come again by your spirit, renew our hearts and our minds. When we feel like we don't have any strength, may we be reminded that you have come and that you're coming again. May we hold on to that reality. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We've got communion now. So go ahead and take communion if you got it. Open up the top of the cup for the wafer. You can go ahead and open for the juice. It's time during communion. We look back at the one who was hanging on the tree and we see that it is his body like this wafer that is broken for us. We see that this juice is like his blood poured out for us so that we might taste and see just how good he is, that we can be free in him, live with him forever. 
experience that free, righteous life that only He can give. And so right now, take and eat of the wafer, the body broken for you. And now take the juice as a representation of His blood poured out for you. And we celebrate 1 Corinthians 15 when we talk about anathema, that the sting of that curse is gone in Jesus' name. And that now we can take up the reality of the Maranatha, that the Lord has come. And now we celebrate that. 